Well, it's good to be with you on a bright, sunshiny morning. I know you have a lot of choices about what you could do with your day, so I'm thankful that you're here to spend at least a part of it with us this morning. My name is Dolly Mills. I don't preach on a real regular basis around here, but I'm the executive minister of our congregation, so I will admit preaching is not the easiest thing that I do around here because I'm kind of responsible for the operations of the church. So when I do have the opportunity to preach, though, I'm always really thankful. Um, It's good to be with you. David is traveling this weekend. He told us he was involved with a wedding. I don't think he's in London or anything. My understanding is that he's in Arkansas where he officiated a family wedding, and he will be back with us this next weekend. So for those of you that I may not know, uh, my name is Dolly Mills. I've been here a long time. I moved to Louisville in 93 and married my husband, Steve, and our children, Austin and Peyton, have in fact grown up in this congregation. So here is a real recent picture of our family. A couple weeks ago, Austin graduated from the University of Kentucky, and those of you that know us a little better know that it was no surprise that both of our children went on to Lexington where they would be part of the Big Blue Nation because the early years in our household looked something like this. I think they came home from the hospital in UK gear as well. And though Peyton never went on to be a cheerleader, we are pretty sure that the two of these young children were in fact influenced by the household in which they were raised. And influence is actually a subject of today's message. And as I've been preparing this week, I've thought about just The month of May in general tends to be a busy time. There may be parents out here that can relate to having end of year parties, musical performances, proms, graduations. And then in Kentucky, we have our own national holiday called the Kentucky Derby, which adds another layer of activity into our days. Perhaps this time that I've been preaching, more than any other, I came to realize that on the weeks that I prepare to preach, the rest of my job does not go away. So it's a little different from when David is preparing because this is, he has a large responsibility here for teaching and preparation. So it was an interesting week with the staff retreat and new new team members coming on board, a lot of preparation for other things. And then Sherry Moak decided to take a vacation and leave me. She's gone to Hawaii for a couple of weeks. So this was a week I just needed a little bit of help. So I asked my children if they would contribute to my sermon this weekend and asked them to sit down and spend a few minutes thinking about how they were influenced by the household in which they were raised. So they came up with their own list that I didn't really edit. So we're going to call this Sure Signs That I Am a Mills. So one is that I won't ever not own a dog, and my dogs will likely be Shih Tzus. 
I will wake up at unearthly hours to go water skiing or barefooting. Note that running is not on that list or included. The thermostat must always be below 70 degrees, no exceptions. If the church air wasn't fixed today, Steve told me that he was going to stay home and listen later online. I make an unsafe amount of dad jokes now, which is really, really true. I own a ridiculous amount of shoes. My mom and I have issues. And then the one that both came up with on their own, independently, I don't own any red clothes. <laughs> and you all, I admit, their reflections are pretty accurate. Here's some pictures to prove it. Um, we would have the Mills dogs, Steve's shirts, and Peyton's shoes at UK, which did not include the bucket of boots that had to go with her too. So really, we do not have red clothes to wear for Christmas even. I mean, we've got issues, but you have issues too. And I'll bet if you start to think for a minute, about the house that you're living in now, or perhaps the home that you grew up in, you're gonna come up with some ideas and things that actually influenced you as well. And the reality is we all have influence. We know this to be true. We influence others on a daily basis, and we are influenced by those around us whether we realize it or not. I mean, the Mills children did not just happen to turn out this way. I mean, look, like you know that we wear blue on game day, and we have for years and years. And as these two have gone off to college, what has been beautiful is you start to see that influence take root in ways that are much more significant than the teams we root for or the color of clothes that we wear, but influence that helps develop character, an influence that takes root in values that have been rooted for a very long period of time. So today, I've just got a couple of really simple goals for the message this morning. The first one is that I'm going to preach a sermon that is shorter than David Emery's because our staff told me that you like to get out early and that that was the best advice they could give me this week. And the other is simply this. It's just to convince you, each of you, that you have an amazing gift of influence and that you have the opportunity to wield that influence in a way that is positive or negative all the time, you have a way that you can create change in the lives of those around you because you are a person of influence, whether you realize it or not. And I mean every single one of you that is sitting here, any one of you that is listening later online, Raise your hand if you're breathing in air and interacting with other human beings today. That should be all of you. If it's not, then we need to call EMS because all of you have influence. 
you're impacting the lives of those around you in a noticeable way. And it's easy for us to lose sight of and sometimes think that our own influence might be insignificant. In a day where we see the influence of celebrities and sports stars and politicians just all over our newsfeed, it's easy to think that our own influence is not that significant. And that couldn't be farther from the truth because parents have massive amounts of influence in the values that will shape the lives of their kids. Grandparents, you have influence all the time on your children, on your grandchildren. Teachers and those of you that work with students that are impressionable, you have more influence than we can possibly even imagine. And if you're serving here, if you're lifting your voice in song or you're mentoring a student, leading a small group, greeting someone at the door, serving in children's ministry, you're influencing others through your action and through your service. Your attitudes matter, your words, your tone. The little things can make a real difference in the lives of others. It's quite possible that there was a moment earlier this week that I was not having a good day. And someone noticed. Someone stopped and said, are you okay? And the very next day, as I was running out the door to come to work, I got this text message that said just this. It said, good morning, my friend. I'm out walking and said extra prayers for you and your family this morning. I hope you're feeling better today. Just wanted to let you know that I was lifting you up, sending love and hugs. And it's a simple message. It probably didn't take 45 seconds to type out on a phone. But for me, I needed a little bit of encouragement that day. My steps seemed just a little lighter and my attitude lifted just a little bit. Simple things, simple gestures that may not take us that much time or energy actually can go a long way sometimes to shed God's love and God's grace on someone else. And one day, the most influential person on the planet actually talked about this subject. And that's the subject that we're going to talk about today. And if I could distill Jesus' teachings into some simple words that we can hold on to today, it's this. It's simply to maximize your influence. And one day he was speaking to his followers on a hillside. People from different walks of life, people in different stages of their spiritual journey like you are. And he used this simple metaphor of light and darkness to make his point. So you can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. This is from Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, these are familiar images we can talk about today. There's a house, there's a lamp, and there's a lampstand. And so here's my lamp. And in Jesus' day, it, it had oil in it, but this is the modern-day version of the story, and this lamp came from Target. And it turns on and shines light. But in the story, someone came along and decided to put a bowl over it, and that minimizes the light. Or in the other scenario... It's not covered up, and it's propped up on a stand, and the light that shines is light that everyone in the house can see. And, you know, what did not change in that story is the light's capacity to shine. The same light was there all along. The difference is whether it was being minimized and covered up or propped up in a way that it could shine. So in one approach, no one gets light. And in the other, everyone in the house can see. And the implications in this teaching are actually pretty significant because I think Jesus is encouraging his followers and recognizing that there is, in fact, darkness around us, and we see that. We see that in people's lives. We see signs of oppression and greed and violence and injustice, and people around us are struggling and staying up at night with things that are real-life challenges, things that leave people fearful, perhaps, or hopeless or even indifferent. But as the darkness encroaches, there is still this capacity for the light to shine, and Jesus is telling his followers that you're like oil lamps. You have enough candle power because I've already given it to you. Enough power to shine right where you are. Enough power to maximize that potential. So maybe if we worry a little less about what we have and trust that Jesus has given us enough already if we choose to maximize our influence. But if I ask you today, do you really see yourself as an influential person? Would your answer be yes? Have you ever picked up Time Magazine to see if you can find your name on the list of the top 100 most influential people in the world? Probably not. But do you recognize the opportunity and capacity that you have to influence those around you? Or do you err on the side of believing that your candle power is just so insignificant that why should you bother to maximize it? 
I think many of us fall into this trap that I'm going to refer to as I'm just thinking. And it goes something like this. I'm just me. Little old, sinful, insignificant, uncelebrated me. I'm just a fast food worker. I'm just a kid. I'm just a mom. I'm just a teacher. Or maybe, I'm just tired. Why should I lie awake at nights trying to figure out how to maximize my influence? I don't have that much to give. I'm just going to put my bowl over my head. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Why does it matter? No one's going to know the difference one way or the other. Do any of you fall into that trap? If so, that's a, that's a challenge for us. And I think it's a challenge that many of us really face. And it has the capacity to diminish the influence that God wants to have on our lives. In that day on the hillside, I think Jesus was, was trying to remind us that we've been given a sphere of influence that's the right size for us. We've been given this oil lamp that has the power to light whatever it is that it's supposed to light. Maybe it's a classroom. Maybe it's a household. It could be a sports team or an office building or maybe even a city. But you've already been given exactly what you need to shine your light brightly if you're using it the right way. And often our influence is really not found in the spectacular, but our influence is found in the mundane and ordinary. A couple years ago, I went to a leadership conference up at Willow Creek in Chicago. And I really didn't know anybody else attending. Most of them were, were internationals. There were a few of us that were there from the Midwest. And I met a group of friends that were all three pastors from Australia. And this is a picture of my friends that were kind enough to invite me to to hang out with them, go to dinner after one of our sessions, and we went down the road to a little restaurant called The Lucky Monk. And we're pictured here, the, the dark-haired woman, she was our server, and her name was Stacy. And we decided to play a game with Stacy. We would give her clues, and she had three chances to guess our profession. And we were a very unlikely group of pastors hanging out at a local bar, and she did not guess it within three times. I think it took her like five. But when she figured out that we were pastors, and she asked why we were there, we said, we're here for some, for some training at Willow Creek. And she said, I have a good friend from Willow Creek. Well, it's a pretty big church. 
So the chances that I knew her friend were pretty unlikely, but we continued to talk to Stacy. We learned that she was a single mom working two jobs. She volunteered a lot of her time at her daughter's local school, and she knew that we were pastors, but she was also really honest with us in saying she has really had a lot of doubts. She wasn't sure about God. She wouldn't consider herself having a deep faith. But she talked about her friend Steve, who continued to come around and would sit down, share a conversation with her, learn her story, provide some words of encouragement to her over and over and over. And Stacy would go on to be baptized about a year later. And it turned out that I did know Steve because Steve had led the worship session that we were in earlier that day. And two years later, Steve would go on to be named the lead teaching pastor of Willow Creek Community Church. So Steve, who pastors on a very, very large stage in front of about 20,000 people every weekend, chooses to wield his influence in a way that is very ordinary. And in the ordinary, he helped Stacy find Christ. And that's really what we're called to do too, to join with God in using our influence to lift others when they're in darkness. And whether you realize it or not, you've been given a sphere of influence too, a space or a zone where you can create positive change in someone's life. And I believe fully that beautiful and amazing things happen when ordinary people like you and I partner with an extraordinary God. So today, my encouragement to you is just to ask God to help you see the influence that you have already, to ask him to use your light to chase back some of the darkness that's around in your sphere of influence. Because when we partner with God, when we join him in lifting others, then our world around us will rise as well.